The way we work, how, where, and with who we do it is changing faster than ever before. This is especially true in the wake of COVID-19. Nearly half of employees will work remotely after the pandemic, compared to 30% before. Simply put, this is a transformative moment in the future of work. How fast and how strategically companies adapt to it will determine whether or not they thrive. But what can they do? First, consider how flexibility fuels employee performance. The pandemic broke the nine to five on-site work paradigm. When employees are given radical flexibility over where, when, and how much they work, more than half report high performance versus 36% of the nine to fivers. Executives must also consider demographics. For the first time, five generations are working together. The arrival of Gen Zers will accelerate demands like flexible work schedules and location. Finally, keep automation in mind. By 2024, nearly 70% of what a manager does will be automated. And while many simple jobs will be eliminated by automation, other jobs that require creativity, empathy, and judgment will be in even greater demand. The way you work can be the weakest link in your digital transformation strategy, or it can drive a sustained and long-lasting competitive advantage. Don't let the future of work dictate your plans. Define your path forward. The future of work is no longer somewhere in the distance. It's here, now. As organizations pivot overnight to respond to an unprecedented global health challenge, there's never been a more critical opportunity to get the future of work right. Structural changes are rapidly evolving, and work will likely never be the same. Now, many business leaders face unexpected sweeping reinvention related to work, the workforce, and the workplace. And there's no turning back. We know it won't be easy. Global leaders will be forced to make hard choices, balancing business outcomes and talent impacts over the short and long term. But we are resilient and recovery will happen. To help accelerate the recovery and prepare organizations to thrive, leaders should reimagine their approach to workforce strategy to redesign work and explore the benefits of change workforce development to cultivate learning in the flow of life and build a more resilient workforce workforce experience to make people feel comforted connected and that they are contributing to the organization when they need it the most the workplace itself flipping orthodoxies on where the work happens to unlock increased productivity and collaboration to deliver more value we're here to help you navigate through extraordinary times and create a bold, sustainable path forward. The future is now. Are you ready to thrive? The future of work is no longer somewhere in the distance. It's here, now. As organizations pivot overnight to respond to an unprecedented global health challenge, there's never been a more critical opportunity to get the future of work right. Structural changes are rapidly evolving, and work will likely never be the same. Now, many business leaders face unexpected sweeping reinvention related to work, the workforce, and the workplace. And there's no turning back. We know it won't be easy. 
global leaders will be forced to make hard choices, balancing business outcomes and talent impacts over the short and long term. But we are resilient and recovery will happen. To help accelerate the recovery and prepare organizations to thrive, leaders should reimagine their approach to workforce strategy, to redesign work and explore the benefits of change, workforce development, to cultivate learning in the flow of life, and build a more resilient workforce. Workforce experience, to make people feel comforted, connected, and that they are contributing to the organization when they need it the most. The workplace itself, more value. We're here to help you navigate through extraordinary times and create a bold, sustainable path forward. The future is now. Are you ready to thrive? Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Reimagining the Future of Work in Workplaces. Uh, for those of you joining us for the first time, uh, I'm Dr. Sajaya Banerjee, and I'm the founder of the Learning and OD Roundtable. We're really delighted to bring to you this very timely and relevant conversation um, under the theme of Reimagining the Future of Work in Workplaces. Um, this masterclass is brought to you by Max Estates, and we're really delighted to partner with them on something that's really topical and relevant to our community and to them. So uh, with that, um, let me take the first couple of minutes to do what is um, our usual ritual, which is to be able to announce our forthcoming uh, events at the Learning and OD Roundtable. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, a bit about the Learning and OD Roundtable. This is a 12-year-old forum. Um, it's a forum of curious learners interested in driving strategic change and learning and innovation within their own organizations. Um, they started uh, with a group of 13, and 13 is sometimes a lucky number because we grew to become a forum of 25,000 members from across business organizations, academia. Um, there are researchers, uh, different, um, different kinds of um, and different walks of lives and industries. HR talent learning, learning OD professionals, uh, corporate communication, marketing, CIOs, all, of, all people who are interested in driving impactful change within their own organizations. So this is a real vibrant community of people who are driving change within their own organizations. So for those of you who are not yet members of the Learning and OD Roundtable, reach out to the people who helped you register for this event and um, find out more details on how it is that you can become part of this movement called the Learning and OD Roundtable. Here are our governing council members, people who are the wind below our wing. Uh, you recognize many of them. These are industry icons, uh, Dr. Akhil Basrai, Adil Malia, Dr. Prince Augustine, uh, Rajeshwar of the Indian School of Business, myself, and I'm the CEO of Capstone People Consulting, Manu Vadwa of Sony Pictures, uh, Rajesh Kamath of Chanakya Consulting, and Rajesh Padmanabhan of Talavi uh, Business Catalyst. Um, quick announcements, uh, you know, our, our annual study this year is called the Best Transformation Stories of Asia Post-COVID-19. Reach out to our websites to find out more details on how it is that you can participate. This culminates uh, in a seminar and awards um, ceremony um, in January 2022, so you still have time to be able to 
uh, apply. Tell us your post-COVID uh, transformation story. And um, our jury, uh, very eclectic and erudite jury, is more than interested in knowing about these stories so that we can celebrate your transformation stories when we meet at the seminar in January um, 2022. Um, coming up on our masterclasses is a very interesting um, pedagogy of learning using doodles. And uh, this is a not to miss um, the leadership and authenticity uh, series by Adil Malia, life transforming conversations using doodles. And I recommend that you join their series. They start this month on the 29th of July, so do register. Um, our series with uh, Max Estates started on the 21st with our Twitter chat. We have our masterclass today, and you have some more coming up on the 4th of August when we meet on Rethinking the Future of Work post-COVID-19, this time on a LinkedIn Live event. Um, so join us on the 4th of August. Diarize this for your colleagues who couldn't make it today. Um, make sure that they have a chance to be able to attend again on the 4th of August. We have absolutely fabulous speakers, many of them um, international thought leaders who are joining in. I recommend strongly you diarize and join in into this conversation on the 4th of August. Um, this is going to be path breaking coming up on the 10th of August and as part of our Women Leadership Forum of Asia, which is a subset of the Learning and OD Roundtable. Uh, we have the story of Raga uh, De Silva, 50 and out. Um, she is an um, advocate and evangelist for the LGBTQ movement. Herself came out at the age of 50. Um, this is her own story in her own words. And uh, I recommend strongly for all those who are doing work in the space of diversity and inclusion and the others who are interested in creating an equal society. This is an important conversation. And I recommend that you block your calendar to be there to hear Raba's story. 50 and out on the 10th of August, 4.30 to 6 o'clock. This is a not to miss conversation. I think with that, we're um, on to our, our conversation today. And, uh, you know, I'm very excited about the panelists because these are, again, a very diverse group of people. And this is going to be a very, very rich conversation. I'm very confident uh, about that. Reimagining the future of work and workplaces so timely. And to present this uh, and joining us on our panel is Sahil uh, Bachani. Uh, he's the CEO of Max Ventures and Industries. We're really excited to have um, Sahil on board. Um, you know, we've been wanting to do a conversation on the future of work that doesn't necessarily have only human resources professionals. So this is very exciting. We have um, the CEO of Max Ventures. Uh, you know, this is one of their three listed companies of the US 3 billion um, Indian conglomerate, the Max Group. Uh, he also serves uh, as a director on the boards of Max Financial Services and its subsidiary Max Life Insurance. Um, uh, he started his career as an investment banker with Citigroup in London. Um, he worked on M&As also in the Middle Eastern and African regions. Uh, Sahil, very warm welcome to you on this panel. We're really excited to have you on board. Uh, next is um, uh, someone I'm sure you've all admired, uh, you know, over his very long and illustrious um, uh, journey as a human resources professional, the CHRO of um, Aditya Birla Group. Uh, he's called Group Executive President, Group Human Resources at the Aditya Birla Group. He oversees, um, you know, uh, the HR portfolio for this business conglomerate um, through various COEs uh, on learning, talent development, talent staffing, and employee relations. I have to call out that um, 
you know, Ashok is keeping his promise to us today because he makes a debut on the uh, Learning in OT Roundtable platform, at least in a, in a masterclass for the first time. So very excited to have him on board. He brings 32 years of rich uh, and varied experience in HR and organizations like Asian Paints, GE Capital, Tata AIG, Vodafone. He was also, he's also uh, you know, a very decorated professional in terms of the awards and accolades he's won through his very illustrious career. Uh, HR, seasoned HR professional by National HRD Network in 2015, CHRO of the Year uh, Business World Excellence Awards. Welcome Ashok, really excited to have you on board here today. Uh, Deborah Hume, those of you who joined us at our DNI conference in December, you would have heard her already. Um, Deborah and I met uh, at the Emerging Markets Summit in um, the UK a couple of years ago, and um, I, you know we already spoke of synergies at that time and the opportunities of doing work together. I'm really delighted to have Deborah join us again uh, on this uh, on this panel today. So thank you, Deborah, for being here. She's a very sought-after speaker. Is the founder of Minerva Engagement and has also recently launched the Neuro Leader Academy in the UK. Um, she's great. She has great passion for leadership, organisation, well-being, change, and engagement. She works across a section of organisations in London. Uh, is part of a pioneering team of practitioners in the UK who are trained in neurosciences. Um, she is passionate about the future of work and is an expert, and I'm really excited to have Deborah on board. Uh, Julia Toscani. So um, you got to not pronounce that G there. And, uh, you know, we, we uh, have had, uh, you know, Julio tell us how to say his name uh, because it's, uh, it's not like how it's spelled. So Julio, I hope you got this right. So that's Julio Toscani. Um, he's professor and academic director at the Sade Business and Law School, Spain. He's an expert on big data, artificial intelligence, strategic leadership, and is a professor at the Pacifico uh, Business School um, and in Peru, is also part-time professor at the Isade uh, Barcelona, um, Spain. Um, he works for a whole host of companies uh, across geographies and um, you know, is clearly a thought leader on the, and an expert on the future of work. So welcome um, Julio and um, Julio. And um, with that, uh, I move over to Ambrish Arora. And uh, Ambrish, very warm welcome to you. He is the principal of Studio Lotus. Uh, Ambrish is an architect, and we're really excited to have you on board as we talk about the future of work and workplaces. Um, Ambrish Arora is the co-founder uh, of the design principle at um, and, and design principle at the Studio Lotus. Um, this is a Delhi-based multidisciplinary design practice and uh, whose work spans the domains of master planning, architecture, and interior design. Um, he's also an amateur thrive light that really caught my attention and a motivational speaker. Amrish, we're very excited to have you on board and we're waiting to hear your perspectives on this theme. Uh, Bosco Di Mello, um, you know, is, uh, is, is a teacher, he's, uh, he's faculty, uh, speaks on polarities and, and leadership and change. Uh, he runs the uh, Conscious Development Organization and does some very substantive work. He holds a master's degree in positive organization development and change from Case Western Reserve University. Um, he does tremendous work in the space of coaching um, and, and designs and facilitates programs in the space of leadership and change. I uh, was a huge enthusiast in the space of, of the future of work, and we're really excited to have you on board, Bosco. 
Uh, last but not the least, Pankaj Bansal. Many of you would know of Pankaj and his very illustrious uh, career. He's the co-founder and group CEO of People Strong. Um, he, uh, you know, is a leading HR and workforce, uh, you know, uh, technology uh, expert. Uh, he has brought forth various HR tech brands like Vbox, Tagged, People Strong, Alt, uh, Zippy. He is an active member of CII's National, National Committee on Skills and Jobs, and he's also the non-executive director at Vbox, uh, a global talent assessment company um, in India. Uh, Pankaj has also started a trust by the name of You in You that aims to ignite the young minds by empowering and connecting them back to their roots of ancient wisdom and culture. So uh, I can see that there's, uh, you know, more than one enthusiast around the space. We already have Rajesh Kamath doing a lot of work in the space, and we must absolutely involve Pankaj's venture called You and You. Uh, he closely follows and talks about trends shaping the world of work and jobs, and we're really excited to have him on board. Pankaj, uh, in these very disruptive times, has a bit of an emergency, so he's going to join us in a couple of minutes. Uh, he's not on board at this time, but. Um, you know, welcome to him, nevertheless, and we'll have him join the conversation shortly. So everyone reimagining the future of work in workplaces. Uh, quick uh, housekeeping um, announcements for the participants who are on board today. Uh, do use your chat box very actively, uh, not just to, uh, you know, not just to post your questions, which you can also use the Q&A box for. Um, share with us your views on the themes that we're bringing up with the panelists. Uh, share your opinions, your experiences. Very excited to see a, a you know, a vibrant chat box. Uh, do, uh, do, do use the Q&A box as well to be able to post questions so that we don't miss any of them. I will periodically refer to the chat box to be able to bring you into conversations. Um, quick word of advice. Uh, you know, you do know your, this is on webinar mode, so your mics and your cameras are on mute, they're off. Uh, but this is simply to be able to enhance your own uh, webinar learning experience. So, so you're not going to be able to speak or to be able to, uh, we can't, can't see you, but we want you on board. Do keep your presence felt by being able to use the chat box actively. And I will try and pick questions from both places uh, periodically. Now, quick word of advice. Yeah, you've, uh, you've taken the effort to be able to join in uh, midweek on a Tuesday afternoon uh, with us in this conversation. I'm going to ask you to stay till the end. Uh, with the two parts to the conversation here today, we have the panel and then we've got a live survey we want you all to be able to participate in. So stay back to be able to uh, have that experience because this is not just polling. We're going to ask you to be able to participate in a live survey so that we're able to use that, that data uh, to be able to build on the conversation we're having here today. Uh, so with that, reimagining the future of work and workplaces, I'm going to ask uh, Sunit to stop this presentation and to be able to bring the panelists in, um, you know, in the in the frame. So can I request all the panelists to be able to switch on your cameras? Um, Julio, can we have your camera on? If you can switch on your camera and if you can also, uh, by and large, as I bring you in, please unmute so that the audience is able to hear you. Thank you. All right, so everyone, one more time, welcome to this uh, conversation. Um, you know, there's there's no doubt in our minds that the future of work is already here. Um, I think it has clearly accelerated two or three trends that we also already saw building up uh, even as we arrived here. So I'm going to call out the three trends. And of course, in the course of the conversation, feel free to be able to add on any other trend that we already saw before um, the pandemic came in and, and accelerated 
what it is that we are experiencing here today. So the first one I'd like to call out is, um, is the trend on remote working. Now I think remote working reduced traveling using technology for meetings. I think that was one trend that had sort of already begun. Um, and some organizations that already had the remote working option perhaps transition to the remote working from home faster than most others. But otherwise, this has easily been one of the largest global transition programs, which actually moved so many people, mobilized so many people and technologies to be able to work from home. Uh, but one trend that we'd already kind of started seeing and got accelerated um, through the pandemic, really accelerated this future of work trend, um, made it real into everyone's lives. The second one I'm going to call out is the is the trend around uh, remote buying, uh, which is really the whole e-commerce trend and the whole process of being able to use technology to be able to buy and make transactions. Uh, so whether uh, you know it's 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 the buy purchase of food or groceries, um, or whether it's telemedicine, uh, you know all of this education online, all of this is now gotten accelerated and we're seeing it right in the center of our lives. And the third one that I must call out is automation. And we've really seen, clearly seen automation with the increased number, amount of activities with warehousing and e-commerce going up. And uh, we're also seeing more automation um, in manufacturing. And when we're talking about acceleration and all that the pandemic really accelerated, uh, can't not call out uh, the industrial, uh, you know, revolution 4.0, can't not call out industrial 4.0. Which is, which is clearly accelerated with so many organizations using this time to be able to drive smart industrial and transformation where machines, people, customers sort of interacted using technology stacks. So that's another keen acceleration that we've clearly seen. Um, you know, I'd like to call out the acceleration of the knowledge, knowledge economy. And I think so many organizations have been forced to yank out of the command and control industrial era cultures uh, because so many realized that their own sort of bureaucracy came significantly in the way of working from home. So kind of made them slower, impacted agility and the rest of that. So I'm also going to call out uh, the knowledge era, which has kind of accelerated. This is still work in progress, but clearly has accelerated across organizations and industries. I'm going to kind of pause here to be able to bring in Deborah into the conversation. And Deborah, tell me what it is that you're seeing change, uh, especially the kind of changes that are impacting uh, talent and what got accelerated in your, your opinion. What are we seeing um, completely right at the center of our lives now? We've kind of seen it coming, but the pandemic is clearly accelerating that. I think the, um, yeah, the pandemic has accelerated quite a number of things, actually. As you rightly point out, there were a number of organizations that had already started working remotely, but there were many that had not. And with the, um, with the pandemic, we're now all having to get used to doing that. But I think what it is also doing within our organizations and what I'm seeing is that the organizations themselves are having to question how their leadership thinks around the problem and what the new skills are that are going to be able to support what will actually be going forward a very fluid way of working because I don't think it will be either or. All organizations are different. Some people may work remotely, some people may work in a hybrid way, some people will need to go on site and actually that's going to require a very different mindset or if you like a rewiring of the way that we normally think about leadership to be able to deliver that because the skills that we need to connect very different groups of people together 
and to make sure that the relationship is still there are very, very different to the skills that we've relied on before. So micromanagement, being able to know and understand everything our people are doing, expecting to see them on site, all of that, I think, will start to drip away. However, it is going to take quite a lot of relearning. And I think that's going to be tricky because actually those skills that I'm talking about here, we've talked about them for a very, very long time. The, the pandemic has put them front and center. So, you know, how do we manage our emotion? How do we manage ourselves? How do we really include people? What does that mean, not just for the relationships that we're building for our employees, but the operating models that we're wrapping around that? So I think um, I've seen a big shift, a big awareness in terms of things need to change, but we're all grappling at the moment with how to do that. And one of the key things are going to be a lot of listening, a lot of questions, and taking feedback from various different groups. It's not going to be a one answer fits all. Right. So I think with that, I want to move this over to Bosco. Bosco, what is your sense? Yeah, what does the future of work mean for talent the way we are poised right now? Bosco, are you there? Sorry, I was on mute. Yeah. Yes. So if we make, uh, you know, if we differentiate between hardware and software, to take an, you know, kind of IT example, the hardware is uh, it's much easier to deal with. So for example, employers are going to be able to figure out how to make, you know, more ergonomic offices, satellite, Kind of offices, how to figure out getting 25% of your workforce in at a time and manage those logistics, etc. That's the easier part to deal with. But the software is the imminently more difficult. And, you know, to pick up a thread from what uh, Deborah said, we have been talking about now, when I say we, I mean, people like me working in the space of leadership and change and complexity and decision making, etc. We've been talking about adaptability and resilience of people and you know mindset for change, et cetera, now for, for eons, right? And it's been a slow, gradual process, but suddenly COVID changed all that virtually overnight. People had to do more with less, right? They had to become more innovative, they had to become more resilient, they had to become more adaptive, leaders had to become more relational, uh, more empathetic, et cetera, et cetera. So it fast forwarded all of that. The challenge is going to be that if we see this as a bubble that's going to pass soon, you know, the human tendency is to want to go back to the good old days, you know, yeah. as things were and, the, you know, when things were comfortable, etc. So the, the lessons that we learn now, the lessons, for example, that leaders learn in terms of relationality, in terms of empathy, in terms of connecting with people, how are they going to sustain and last as we go forward? Because the world has changed. People have changed. People have become more autonomous. They realize that they're not shammers if they're working from home. They can actually be more productive than actually going to office. So they don't want to go back to a life where they sleep less and get up early in the morning and commute and you know unnecessarily, etc. How are leaders going to adapt to that? How are they going to relate to people? This is the whole set of challenges which are not uh, hardware-driven. They're more cognitive. They're more emotional. They're more social. And that is the 
you know, we call them soft skills, but they're eminently harder skills to build. Yes. And that's going to be a big, big challenge. We already saw that, uh, I don't know if you read this article, uh, Apple CEO Tim Cook sent out an e email to the company saying people should come back to work 100% by September 2021. And there was a big backlash. You know, people wrote, got together, wrote the letter saying, you know, we appreciate all that Apple has done and, you know, it's got this fancy office. But don't tell us which days of the week we should come into work. Leave that to, to us to figure it out. You want innovation? We've delivered it. You wanted productivity? We've delivered it. Don't tell us how to do our jobs. So leaders are going to be in a world where people are taking their lives into their own hands. And there's going to be that give and take. So it's going to take a lot of learning, again, to echo what Deborah said. Right. I'm just I'm just wondering, Bosco, if uh, you know Apple's more like an outlier kind of example, and whether all organizations have the level of maturity to say, well, you know, leave it to us. We'll tell you when to do this, and you know, we know how to manage our own jobs and the rest of that. But you know, I'm going to take this. Uh, I'm going to leave this and and not argue at this point because we will have an opportunity to be able to come back to all of this, even as we do the survey later on. But I see your point, and um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to hand over back to you to complete what you were saying. Sorry, I, I was kind of done with what you're saying. Okay, right. okay. Sahil, I want to move this over to you and ask you how you're seeing this, um, you know, right to the top of the organization in your hot seat. How are you seeing uh, the future of work uh, pan out? We spoke about so many things getting accelerated. What has been your experience at the maximum? So we see primarily two key trends across most of our businesses. Uh, first and foremost, we see that a lot of automation is coming in to take over a lot of the jobs that were traditionally done by people. And we are seeing this across the world and uh, some these technologies can impact millions of jobs. So what we see is that the job that is to be done and the nature of job is changing quite radically. That's one particular trend that we see. The second trend that we see uh, is that every single role that is going to be relevant and required over a period of time is going to have a lot of complexity, a lot of volatility, and a lot of uncertainty. Uh, and to navigate that, uh, I think there has to be an elevated level of um, two elements of consciousness. One, we would say at a social level, to understand elements around well-being, uh, around uh, the softer aspects, as, as Bosco very clearly and Deborah nicely outlined. And the other element is our responsibility towards the environment. And I think towards sustainability, I think sustainability is not just become a word, but is going to, it's going to be a way of life. And it's not going to happen till every uh, person who's doing a meaningful job takes that as an individual target and ownership. It's not just going to be at the top or with some people trying to do this. So if we look at these two trends, yeah. now a huge technology disruption, and a huge elevated level of consciousness that we as leaders or larger organizations need to display. I think this is going to be a pivotal change in the way the future of work is done. And in our view, I think since we saw the advent of the assembly line or that kind of uh, uh, you know invention in the way jobs were done, this is going to be another pivot. And this is going to lead to a lot of change in how it's going to happen. And I think I agree with Deborah where we, I can. I don't think we can predict how it will happen. I think what yeah. we can predict is that it will change, but we have to listen very carefully. There's going to be a lot of pull and push to be able to come to some sort of a solution, but it will change 
uh, very radically and everybody needs to be prepared whether it is real estate developers whether it is design partners whether it is uh, company leaders you you name it right right i think i'm going to move this over to ashok and ashok i'm going to ask you the tougher question which is the world economic forum is has estimated that by 2025 which is now not very far away 50% of workers will need reskilling because of automation they will they will we will also they will also displace 85 million jobs worldwide while 97 million new roles will emerge uh, these are all very astounding statistics and i want to ask ashok how much of all this is he seeing emerge around him already um, so suja hi, uh, hi thank you so much for hosting us uh, on a topic which is rather contextual and something we're all coming to grips with yes and i think uh, I just want to echo these thoughts in two parts. One is, I think, to the earlier comments by the speakers, I see three parts, three tones emerging. One, I think work is slowly going to become or has become something that you do and not some place that you go to. So I think there is a fundamental change in the way work is going to get architected. Right. I see that sitting in an office today, but I chose to come to office today and there's nobody else on my floor today. Okay. Uh, so people have chosen uh, that work will happen from wherever. So I think that is clearly here to stay. Um, be it any kind of enterprise, I think that definition is here. What will be done uh, from work from home, work from anywhere versus a base location is also getting redefined. Um, and, and that's happening. The third factor I see significantly, and that will have an implication, is this concept of time. I think people see more implication to time. So what is synchronous time and what is asynchronous time and its implication to my delivery or my productivity or to learning uh, that I seek to achieve or to importantly, the social connect or the team collaboration part. I think these three factors are getting affected by the synchronous, asynchronous thinking saying, I don't need to come to office to do work but I might enjoy a certain social connect, which will have an implication to culture, productivity, values, and so on. So I think that is coming up as a very significant uh, tone to company to make choices. Skill sets, which I see emerging are, uh, um, at one level, uh, there is uh, clearly a, a change happening. Change is calling upon many of our skill sets. And I think Sahil mentioned that in passing clearly, uh, many of the skills today will be redundant in the days ahead. I don't foresee that as a job loss panic, but I see a reskilling tone, which is coming up. Mm -hmm. I think this mindset has to first get reskilled. I know mindset reskill, mm -hmm. change the mind, huh? change the software of the mind. I think learning agility, I can't anymore say, this is my role, this is my competence, this is my capability. For example, we are now recasting many of our what is called competency frameworks and methodologies, which were cast in stone and training materials built on to say, can we rethink some of those to make it more flexible, more hybrid, more hybrid, not in terms of physicality, but more hybrid in terms of learning agility. That's coming up as a big thing. Do I have the resilience to relearn? Uh, we are coming across two types of leaders, leaders who are able to show the flexibility, agility and bounce back. Yeah. And in a way, the humility to say, I don't know this piece, I need to learn. Uh, it's now reasonably fashionable to say digital on every sentence, on every role and every function. But what does it mean to my implication? What does it mean to re-architecting my work or the ecosystem? I must start with saying, I don't understand it. Let me fix it. 
I can't come from a position of authority and that architecture is gone. So resilience coming across as an important uh, change. Uh, I do believe uh, uh, productivity and innovation are coming together. Uh, importantly, coming together. I think it's no more productivity or new ideas and so on. Uh, the leaders of the future, uh, HR people of the future, must understand that there's an ecosystem change in organization design to architecting the changed workforce. And therefore, looking at productivity, innovation, uh, coming together to form new skill sets. So I think those are some of the things that I believe uh, some evergreens will always be there. Things like uh, uh, analytical skills that you spoke about in our conversation earlier, taking initiative, being proactive, bringing that passion and zeal to the table. This, uh, so I, I sense there's a, a re-architecting of the mindset, which will then follow into functional and behavioral skill sets, which will follow later. And uh, in a very odd way, one of my business leaders said, listen, this phase is not for the weak hearted. Uh, and I said, so why do you say that? So he said, listen, if you've got used to success, if you've got used to this, I belong to company A, B, C, D, and you're corporate and you're kind of comfortable, this may not, the future may not be yours. So are you agile? Are you willing? Are you humble? Are you appetite for change? Are you vulnerable to learning and change? I think that's the call, irrespective yeah. of the function you belong. Yeah. I think those yeah. are nuances which are emerging, Sujaya. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think very well said because clearly none of us have ever led teams in the middle of a pandemic before. So this is such a leveler in so many ways, isn't it? Kind of, I mean, the humility you're talking about and the vulnerability to be able to learn, to start again, to build new skills is actually absolutely at the center of being able to uh, sort of win in this in this very tumultuous kind of times. Um, so very quick one before we get... I just yeah. want to add one kind of a a new challenge, which is a VC emerging. That, and it's a very specific skill set uh, for business leaders and uh, HR leaders, functional leaders to consider that your ability to reinvent the business model. I think Deborah spoke about it. Uh, the whole business model archetype is set to change. Care of your delivery mechanism, your customer mechanism, your ability to even look address markets or opportunities is set to change. So. We don't want a CEO to run the institution. We want a CEO to relook at the business model archetype and consider operating systems changes where required and therefore change the kind of people you need at times uh, to address that. So I think that is a higher order strategic skill set which is coming up as a call. Right. And I can say it's coming up for even for HR. You can't have the HR guy doing the processes mm. stuff. You need somebody to think different. Yeah. I think that's right. So Ashoka, quick question for you from the audience and we have, uh, I think, Saikat saying, can you explain the asynchronous and synchronous uh, uh, you know, piece that you just spoke about in the context of time? It's not clear. And so he's asking so, for an illustration. Yeah, so, so uh, synchronous is where uh, time has to match what we do. And unless the time matches, so unless we sit physically to have a cup of tea, we can't have a cup of tea uh, together. Um, more and more, you will see the synchronous activities are starting to happen around social interaction, around team, around collaboration. Importantly, around new joinee induction. Uh, we all talk about culture and values and imbibing onboarding processes in HR. 
But how do you do that if the connect with the employee is completely digital? It seems that when there is synchronous time and employee has FaceTime, there is connect, there's a social connect. It leads to better even work from home patterns. And we've been studying pure work from home, hybrid versus coming to office. And we are finding the value of synchronous time very high. Our training programs are changing from synchronous and using a mix of synchronous and asynchronous. Asynchronous is when our times doesn't have to match. What started as so-called e-learning modules is now going completely digital in the form of your experiences. And both the faculty and the trainee can completely uh, accentuate the learning pattern through a mix of asynchronous and synchronous. I do believe you need both. But I think technology is allowing you to make those choices. And I think as corporates, we are making those choices to say, what do we need to do where, with whom and how to determine what is called employee experience or a learner experience. Right. Um, I think that's coming up. Importantly, my sales teams are working with customer experience. All are the same logic. Yeah. I'll leave you with that. Good point. I think with that, I'm going to move over to Julio. And Julio, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, sort of reiterate those numbers astounding numbers from the World Economic Forum, which is claiming that by 2025, 50% of people will need reskilling and that 85 million jobs will be displaced the world over. What is your own sense on what you're already saying? We're not very far from 2025. Yeah, we what are not. It already happened, yes. Yeah, we are not definitely far. We, I think we got accustomed to this kind of prediction of uh, always going around round numbers. And uh, I remember when we were saying, like uh, in Telefonica, uh, I've been there for many years, and it was a, it's a big company of 130,000 employees, and uh, we were working with the board that was running with the president, and uh, we were always having this kind of conversation of uh, where are we going? This is a really impactful company that goes on uh, about 350 million customers, and uh, when we're making these round numbers, we're always saying. But what, what does it really mean? Is it really indicative for us? Well, somehow it is because there are big changes and we know where is the red ahead. But 50% of reskilling, is it uh, really, really different from what happened always historically when we went, every time we have a new things is always unprecedented. This is not the first time in the human history we have have unprecedented changes. This happened the first time when they burned, started using a fire that was unprecedented. And every time we get something new is unprecedented with the past. So what is really happening, this reskilling? We have a, a long history of reskilling and this is really, really happening. We like what uh, Ashok said, Deborah, is uh, something that uh, requires different kinds of skills now. Is it becoming more complex? Yes, it is. Is it requiring more flexibility? Yes, like before. Is it requiring learning or unlearning? Yes. But I think that one element of this 50% of the reskilling is that is happening, is definitely happening. But we should also pay attention of what is going to continue like before. Because there is another data that uh, I work with AI. I work with big data. So there is always this things of being replaced by machine and robots. Yes, you see the data is very similar. This number is 47% of the job will be kind of replaced by AI. Yeah, but only 9% of the jobs will be fully replaced by AI. 
So it means that the change is going to affect something, but not fully the reskilling. You're right. Well said. Thank you. I'm going to move to the next one and I'm going to bring in, um, you know, um, I want to bring in Bosco here. And Bosco, I want to talk about, um, you know, the top five skills. Uh, again, World Economic Forum, five top skills that have been identified for the future of workforce. Um, you know, I, I'll call them out so that, you know, uh, we, I think you have them as part of the thread sent, but I'll call them out. Um, so analytical thinking and innovation, active learning and learning strategy, complex problem solving, critical thinking and analysis, creativity, originality, and initiative. So, I mean, it sounds like quite a punch to pack. What's your sense on what are you seeing organizations, you work with organizations helping them manage the future of work, what are you? What out of this are you seeing organizations being serious about developing? Uh, which are the areas that um, are part of your leadership capability interventions? Uh, tell us a bit about capabilities and, and the future of work, getting prepared and ready for the future, which we're saying is already here. So what is it that organizations are doing to cope and prepare for it? I think what I've seen is that the, the one thing that hasn't changed uh, even before COVID, organizations are talking about the fact that leaders, especially, and now when I talk about leaders, I'm not only talking about C-suite, VP level, et cetera. I'm talking about leadership at various levels of the organization, have to learn to deal with complexity because the world is changing. You know, before COVID, it was, it was tech that was changing, the fourth industrial revolution that was changing everything. And we had to wrap our minds around that. But the world is just becoming more and more complex and COVID has just added another curveball to it. So the skills that the World Economic Forum is talking about, which is whether it's innovation, innovation to me is an outcome rather than just a skill because it's, it's the result of you know, disruptive thinking, experimentation, risk-taking, et cetera, et cetera. But these skills have have been in demand now for the last 10 years, at least that I can remember. Organizations have been talking about these skills, the fact that people need to have these skills because the world is becoming more complex. Uh, thanks to technology, you know, you, you make a product, three days later, it gets duplicated somewhere, a piece of technology duplicated somewhere. So the, the, the time that we have, the margin that we have has shrunk. So we need people Everywhere I go, all the clients that I talk to, they are talking about complexity, they're talking about adaptability, people not holding on to the mindset that said, oh, we did things like that five years ago and that worked and therefore that's also going to work in the future. We need people to say, okay, we've got to try something new. If that doesn't work, how do we get it done? Uh, so adaptability, uh, mindset, you know, the uh, ability to deal with uncertainty, which in a way is about resilience, or if you want to take another kind of a, a lens to it, it's anti-fragility. Uh, the ability to make complex decisions and not stick to an either or mindset, but to say there are, you know, you need either or, and you need both and mindset. And that's the polarity of either, you know, either or and both and. Right. You need people to be able to have, to, to be able to do that. Uh, and that's going to require a lot of unlearning right. uh, because we, you know, the, we spend a lot of time with, especially in successful organizations, the more successful we get, the more we develop, uh, you know, the, 
the, the desire to hold on to a winning formula. Sure. And then you have something that comes and changes and disrupts all that. So everywhere I go, organizations are talking about how are people going to do that? One of my clients is an extremely successful, huge uh, IT services company. And they're the big, they're number two in the world. They are talking about the fact that they need to be more consultative with their clients, right? They're, I mean, they uh, it's a more than a billion dollar business. But now they're talking about the fact that uh, it's we provide the best kind of solutions to our clients in terms of IT services, but clients are saying we want more. And what is that more? It's the ability to have conversations and discover their clients' needs, which means that their people have to get out of that mindset that we are solution providers. Yeah. They, have, they have to function more like consultants. Therefore, right. they have to be able to, right. be able to and bring And bring more listening to what it is that they do. Listening to be more questioning to have an, a, a, an intelligent conversation with, with the client about what's going on in the industry and not just take orders and say, okay, we'll come back to you with the best possible solution with the right. best possible price. Right. So it's this, uh, it's, an, it's an intangible. Yes, we, we need digital capabilities as well. That's a given, given the fact that COVID has accelerated everybody's need for digitization in their supply chain and what have you. But it's the mindset of people, it's the ability to deal with complexity, it's the ability to be resilient, adaptable, go beyond what you think, get a devolved decision-making down the line to be closer to the customer. Those are things that organizations are grappling with today. Right, right. And I think that this is perfect to be able to bring in, um, you know, an architect to be able to design or to be able to give us a perspective at this point in time. So Amrish, I'm going to draw you into the conversation to ask, uh, you know, notwithstanding what kind of capabilities have been declared by the World Economic Forum, I want you to want you to give us a perspective on what you see at ground level being most important in these times. Which kind of capabilities are you seeing uh, there a need for, and um, you know what is what are you seeing manifest really in your in your interactions with people? You're a consultant, and he brought in consultative skills. I want you to tell us a bit about what your experience. Uh, so I am going to uh, take the you know a more current perspective and uh, seeing the nature of the pandemic uh, and we've already been it been in it for over a year and uh, in spite of that everything's so uncertain so I would be hesitant to project into the future but uh, the only thing I think that's really really clear is uh, that the whole situation is extremely dynamic. And it needs for all systems to be highly adaptive to emerging scenarios of various kinds. Now, we work with multiple clients, uh, both corporates, uh, real estate companies, and the challenges faced are very, very diverse. So I'm going to try and kind of build on them yeah. uh, separately. And I would like to start with an inside out approach, uh, wherein we are looking at uh, Two, two user groups. So we are looking at designing for employees. So really, why, why do they want to come back to work? So this whole talk of hybrid or work from home or whatever, but ultimately there is this uh, recognition that there is an element uh, that coming into work brings in. And uh, then there is the perspective of the organization uh, or the company and why would they want the employees back at work? and there is what's at the cusp. So, uh, you know, what our research has shown us is 
the biggest reason for people to come back uh, to work is social interaction. I mean, it's far outweighs everything else. Uh, and connecting, I mean, thereby connecting to company culture uh, and interacting the serendipity, you know, that happens when you're in a physical environment is something that a linear environment uh, like a digital interaction does not allow for. So it's all the non-linear interactions that that uh, the physical space brings, uh, you know, alive is what they want to be back for. Uh, well, a very significant number of people want to be back in at work just to separate home from work, you know, home from office. I mean, yeah. And uh, it's something that gave rise to the co-working culture and the rise, rise to the third place you know, where, where there was the home, your first place, office, the second place, and, and then the need for casual, uh, casual independence at work, you know, right. so, so this need of casual independence gave rise to this idea of, uh, of the third place, which mushroomed into Starbucks being synonymous or, uh, or analogous to the co-working uh, kind of culture, right? I mean, it's yeah. always the closest analogy you find is a cafe, you know, for want of a better word, pe people, you know, always refer to Starbucks. And, and, yeah. and, and it is a brief that, uh, that's increasingly coming to us from clients is, is, uh, is can the primary workplace offer the casual independence that a third place brings or at least elements of that is, is uh, and, and the biggest reason, I think, uh, organizations that value culture, which is, Really, uh, what what what's at risk is the weak ties, you yeah. know. So so it's the strong ties are established, hierarchies are established, operational efficiencies are established, but the weak ties where people don't interact unless they need to totally fall apart. And and companies which have a very strong, uh, it, it really depends on 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 uh, business objectives and cultural objectives of an organization. But companies that focus on culture really really want to crack this one. Uh, and 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 really see their culture at risk, and 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 what's what's in the way of it? What 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 do what are the primary concerns of people? And they're really simple. There are two or three. There's proximity, so it's it's largely all stems from safety. So uh, it's proximity, it's hygiene, um, and uh, differing differing levels of compliance across employees. You know, beyond a certain point, it's very difficult to call out people and, you know, and depending on which culture you're in, like, you know, maybe a country like India would have different behavior patterns as compared to Japan and so sure. on and so forth. But, uh, and, and that brings us to really what can we do, uh, where again, there are two uh, really uh, aspects we are looking at. One is the long-term assets that are being built. So for instance, uh, you know, buildings, purpose-built for office spaces. What is it that they need? And uh, again, it really boils down to two or three things. So this idea of well-being is critical. And uh, there it comes to physical well-being, where we come to, you know, technology being a huge enabler, uh, both in terms of infrastructure. So things like ventilation being very, very important, access to nature and naturally ventilated spaces being really important. Right. Two mental and emotional factors of well-being, uh, which is daylight, again, proximity to nature, green spaces, social spaces, fungibility, uh, and, and flexibility across the floor plate becomes really, really important because scenarios are changing so fast 
So for instance, when we designed a building for, for Sahil, the new Max house in Okla, I think this idea of uh, sustainability was set, you know, it's at the outset we started there saying that, and sustainability is not just environmental, it's got a lead gold rating, but that's fine. It's also uh, social and cultural sustainability, right. so aspects which people value. So this idea of well-being being woven into a project or we've just finished the, the corporate headquarters for Royal Enfield. Again, there's been this whole kind of dialogue with, uh, with, with uh, the, the management teams on how much flexibility and how much uh, kind of structure yeah. uh, needs to be woven in. The entire building is naturally ventilated with very, you know, with only workspaces being air conditioned, for instance. So, um, I mean, it's clear that we are not in a one size fits all solution mode. So we must find ways to keep the hygiene factors firmly in place, but allow for as much adaptability and flexibility in our hardscapes, in our, in our buildings, which are really difficult to change around um, and, and really balance in designing interiors, balance culture uh, with place and technology. So, I mean, that's really what we are currently grappling with, and right, uh, yeah, right. But is it the, I mean, that, that you know, I think everything you mentioned is kind of so holistic. It's kind of I'm sure getting people to start thinking about what it means to come back to a physical workplace, uh, sort of differently. I'm going to uh, move forward and bring in uh, both Ashok and Sahil into this conversation now. And uh, Ashok, this whole business, this whole argument, and he did bring forth this, um, you know. Uh, this whole the decision that organizations are having to make at this point in time, or the dilemma, if you want to call it that, between remote work, work from uh, home, and hybrid. And it's turning out to be far more difficult or complex as compared to what people may have imagined. So tell me a bit about how you're looking at these distinctions. And I'm going to bring Sahil in as well, because it's looking like a bit of a team spot between HR, real estate, um, and perhaps uh, technology. So tell me a bit on how you're making your decisions at your end in terms of what stays remote, what is work from home and what is hybrid. Yeah. So I, I, I think the uh, element of choice uh, to employees is here to stay. I think people, um, whether we can sound brave and say company now allows you flexibility or our flexibility has been now inbuilt into the way we'll architect work. Um, the truth is, employees today have choice, enjoy the choice. And I think what we are doing, um, Suja, as we go along, is to take a completely hybrid and a flex choice approach to this journey, defining either some roles or some specific time zones as core for availability. So it's choice, availability, flexibility, and a practical need of what you need to do for what purpose, so purpose, uh, which is starting to define, if you notice none of these words include must come, physical, you should be in office for so many hours, so many days, we should roster. We're not in that space. I think we are moving into that alternator zone. And yet you will have some roles which need to be physical. If I need a garment designer to touch and feel a cloth and cut and work with different shapes and size, I need to provide a safe zone. So real estate, safe zoning real estate. 
uh, is starting to become real, where you have employees actually having to come in for a purpose. We are also now coming to a point to say that uh, certain roles can be permanently home, certain roles might have to be in office, and certain will go the flex route. Importantly, we are calling upon employees, and I find employees are responding hugely positively, to say, let's take a governance call at one's own end on what should be done at a team cohort level. Suddenly, the concept of team has become very critical, and we have seen huge joy in not just looking at organization and an individual and policies and rules and processes in between, but to lean on this beautiful cohort called the team. Mm. saying do what is right upon the company right. and for yourself and the team and make it happen. And we are sensing that periodicity of social connect simply liberates. So we are actually saying subject to COVID restrictions, pandemic, et cetera, find a moment to come together to work in a safe zone, uh, transport yourself safely. We are not spoken about transport yet. Transportation is emerging as one of the biggest issues, even in our factories and uh, uh, what do you call retail locations, we're actually encouraging people to connect socially, connect to customers where you have to connect. But for the rest, move across zones and locations. So I think that flex is here to stay. And if companies can take a, a reasonable approach to this, I think the reward will be employee uh, forthcoming and discretionary effort. You know, all of us talk about employee engagement and discretionary effort and so on. This is time to call it. And I'm not saying you got to be necessarily soft and cuddly about this whole subject. Yeah. You have a job to get done. Business results must get done. There can't be a two-way show on that. But there are ways to do it, which doesn't need physicality. And I think we are in the process of using flex and hybrid completely actively. And we are yielding some very good results uh, by people's discretionary efforts coming through. I and think cost is just so important in all that you just mentioned right now. Um, people repay trust. So people yeah. have actually said, thank you for trusting me yeah. with what I do. So even measures like met performance, yeah. productivity, I don't think we've cracked it yet, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. When I say it one shot, it looks like it all kind of stands landed. No, it yeah. isn't that. Yeah. I think we are grappling with uh, subjects on productivity, performance, and trying to recast some of the archetypes with which we work. Yeah. yeah. Importantly, leaders, and I have a whole range of them. Sure. Uh, from young to senior to statured to olden to modern types, I think are coming to grips with the change and rather quickly and happily. Again, we are encouraging them to talk cohorts and talk teams and role model. And I think it's going well. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to let you go till you answer a question which is on the chat box. And we have Abha Nair asking, how do we bring in equity for all in this hybrid uh, culture mode of work? Um, you know, work from home, work from office or otherwise, otherwise, is it fair, unfair? How do we plan around this? Because some people are going to find this fair and then unfair and a usual conversation on why should we have to come and why should they have to stay and why do they get to stay at home and why do we have to kind of trudge along, find transport and get to work? So I think there's a question on equity for you, Ashok. Yeah. No, it's, I think it's, it's a fair point. But I think it's a, it's a fabulous question. I think it's something we have to come to grips with. I, our joy, a current, as, as, as somebody said, I think the journey is still on. Huh? So this is not post-pandemic. We are in the middle of it. So the journey of experimentation on that, for us, it's all about a certain fairness and communication of the fairness through our practices. So if I, if 
you know, fairness is a smell, no? it's a smell test. Um, reputation is a smell test. If I'm good or bad, you'll smell me out for it. I don't have to tell you, it's not the number of stripes on the shoulder. You know my authenticity or trust when you know me, okay? So it's there or not there. So I found that if your policies and practices, the so-called flexibility is consistent, it's fair, well communicated, debated. We've had debates with people to say, hey, if you are a designer who needs to touch and feel cloth, you need a situation. I can create a satellite office for you, but you must come into an ecosystem where you have to operate that physicality of that architecture. I can't change my factories. You must come to factories. Yeah. We are encouraging offices to say, if I have a customer touch store, if I have a factory where people are going to work, why is it that the office alone needs a complete privilege? Right. And I think if I set the ground rules right, share, communicate, debate, and this is our formula we have adopted in Aditya Birla Group to, to share and co-create a solution. And it's amazing people come back and say, hey, I know I've wanted this. I think this is fair. Uh, it's a bit uncomfortable, but I'll get around to it. And I think if the company is fair and doing it consistently, I think we are good with it. Uh, equally, uh, I think all companies, I must credit all corporates across the country and maybe globally as well, for being very considerate to people who are in the middle of the pandemic, right. who are affected by the pandemic. And I think that policy of care is coming back as fairness. And I think if we continue the journey of not being completely pedantic or stupid about our own policies and the average HR mind in our head needs to allow that flexibility to happen. Uh, I think people will enjoy it, will know hybrid. Uh, in some offices, for example, we have said coming back to base location is a must. In two of our offices, we've given up 50% real estate. In two of our offices, we have started rostering. In six of our offices, we have said no need for rostering, work at cohort level. So we are working, if you see different models and different assumptions, yeah. I suspect form will develop all these uh, solution. Right. So keep it flexible. That is a very, very good comprehensive response. Lots of food for thought. I want to turn this over to um, uh, can I get Sahil into the conversation? And Sahil, you're, you're kind of double hatting in a way. You're looking at a real estate uh, business and you're also double hatting as the head of a business where you yourself employ people. Give me a sense on this dilemma between remote working, working from home and the hybrid. What are your considerations when you're deciding that? And when you talk to your clients, how is this team sport working out between you, HR, and technology? Yeah, no, great point. And, you know, I'll take the lens of a develop as a developer because I think Ashok has very beautifully articulated the lens as a corporate. But uh, from a development perspective, we've done about half a million square feet of leasing last year in 2020 during the pandemic. And I'll just share some experiences across clients that we've had. Uh, almost all of them are now taking the approach of actually there is no fixed golden rule. It depends. So for some teams, it's a hybrid approach. For some teams, it's a work from office approach where they need to be there. You need to connect. For some, it's work from home. So the nature of the job is driving what is the decision a corporate is taking. Right. Uh, interestingly, though, I will caveat this. Um, we are seeing very early trends of a lot of clients saying, if there is a team and if half the team is working from the office and the other half of the team is working from home, that's not working. 
the hybrid within the team is not working so what ashok said as an example for the aditya birla group is actually so true is that the team has to move together if the if everybody is remote it actually works well if you're all on zoom like this but just as an illustration if this workshop half of it was in person and half of it was in zoom i guarantee you wouldn't yeah. feel as as good about it so that's one data point the second lens that we are taking as a developer for future developments is actually interestingly uh, the paris model is it's called globally the paris model and amrish can possibly tell us a little bit more but the idea is that the mayor of paris is putting together an ecosystem where everything around everything for what you want to do in a day to day life is in a 15 minute 15 minute cycle drive uh, cycle ride i remember in the in before we started ashok was having a little bit of banter with bosco and he said you know the drive from one part of bombay to the other and he was you know like holding his head but the truth is we see if you look at cities how they were designed earlier right it was all the schools go this side all the housing goes this side offices go the other side and and healthcare goes the other side what we are looking at future developments particularly for us is we want to build a bubble or an ecosystem where we can put a little bit of everything where you don't need to cross country to go to work there is absolutely no point in spending 4 hours commuting to and from work so can we build ecosystems where you can live you can work you have your basic educational and medical needs taken care of and provide that as a value add to people and if we are able to do that i think the discussion around work from home work from all of this goes away the other final trend that we are seeing a lot of people talking to us about and it's typical of our society a lot of these things get get brushed under the carpet is the huge amount of mental strain or the psychological or 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 you know this the stress that is coming uh, at a mental well-being level across the level of people i think people are being boxed up we do not have the luxury of space that that we did that people do in in you know rural america or something like that so people are getting fatigued of their ecosystem they're looking for change they're looking for social interaction and and i think a lot of the mental wellness aspect is being ignored today uh, we are forced to ignore it because we are living in pandemic where physical wellness is first and foremost but there will come a time where we need to prioritize mental wellness equivalent to physical wellness and i think companies are starting to think about and look at that trend as well so those are the three broad aspects at least that what we are seeing over the last one year or so right right so you know i think with that i just want to um refer to some of the questions in the question boxes so that we don't lose momentum on what's being asked and uh, i also want to take the opportunity to be able to welcome um uh, you know pankaj bansal so very warm welcome uh, pankaj uh you know you promise you'll join towards the end of the conversation i'm glad that you're here um yes, so i'm going to pass one of these questions over to you pankaj yeah we've got a question here saying uh what are the latest tools to improve productivity while working from home and you know okay. given your background in tech i can see you're perhaps the most qualified on the group to be able to answer this thank you thank you for for getting me here and extreme apologies to all the participants and my co-panelists hello ashok hello amrish so good to see you and other friends Um, wonderful to be here. The question that you asked is that the tools required. So I was just building on what Ashok said. Probably I look at it in in three buckets. One is the collaborative systems. We cannot say that our ERP will take care of the processes. It is not possible. We need to have collaborative based systems. That's why you've seen what Slack has done to the world, right? Yeah. So employees have gone ahead and taken Slack. You you don't need to buy Slack persons. So that's one part. So collaboration has been ignored, and it will become an important part. 
Um, so that's one thing. Second element probably here will be what Ashok touched upon roasting applications. It's undermined, but it's become the most important element. So yeah. that we realize because your productivity will be hampered if you cannot do it at the smallest unit. So here, the lowest common multiple will come into play, not the highest common factor. Every function will not require roasting. So that's the second element, which is the lowest common multiple for roasting application. And the third element is something which, uh, which Sahil mentioned, which is on the health side. I believe that uh, like we have customer called Carlsberg, you know, and they have deployed an application which tracks everything related to COVID. Now, so far we don't have privacy laws which are creating problem like they're creating in other countries. And I'm not getting into GDPR issues and other parts, but I'm saying these three elements will help people feel safe, feel productive because they know what to do, when to do. And finally, they feel collaborative. So collaboration, roasting applications, and, uh, and health apps is what I feel will help us to perform and be better productive. Super, thank you. I'm going to, with that, uh, move back to uh, both Ambrish and, um, you know, and um, Sahil to be able to answer two of the questions we have here on the Q&A box. So I, I'll move to, um, to Sahil first. And, you know, Sahil, I have somebody asking us here, could you name a few developers of these buildings that are new and prioritize health and safety as that is a top priority for our organization. Do you want to talk? Uh, do you want to respond to this? Yeah, that's a very biased question. Yeah, I, I, I have only one answer to that. That's Max Estates. Uh, sorry, I'm being this thing. No, but 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 I think most actually what we are seeing in the real estate space is a huge amount of consolidation, where you see that there are very few developers left who will actually be doing. Um, the kind of office space that is required, but most of the organized developers are moving in this direction, uh, focusing on health, hygiene, and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, we at Max Estates are taking that a step forward. In addition to focusing on health and hygiene and safety, we're trying to bring in a lot of well-being uh, and, 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 and a philosophy of work well. So, um, uh, but I think, to be honest with you, what we think is aspirational today in a few years from now will just become basic and will become the norm. Everybody will have to do it. Uh, I think we're trying to set the bar higher by saying that in addition to physical safety, it's extremely important for uh, overall well-being, um, which is intellectual well-being, spiritual well-being, physical well-being uh, are all components of that. So we're trying to elevate that uh, level of consciousness with what we are trying to do. But I think it's only a matter of time before um, the, the ecosystem shifts. Uh, that's my view. But Amrish, I would love to hear your thoughts. Amrish? So I'm just going to add to that, Amrish. I'm going to try and bring in another, um, uh, another add-on question uh, to what I asked earlier, which is that with, with, uh, will flexi with flexibility in real estate and workplace recalibration bring employees back uh, with um, creating the trust to come back to occupational health and safety being on as a top priority for the leadership employees and the organization. Uh, the question is that, is it possible to create ecosystems where health is a priority and where people feel attracted therefore to come back to the business? Um, so, you know, I think uh, the jury is still out on, on what, uh, I mean, especially with, with respect to the pandemic. I mean, you know, we still don't know whether the, I mean, of course we know the vaccination kind of brings uh, uh, you know, the instance of severe infection down. But beyond that, I think, uh, like I said, uh, there are certain key uh, physical factors. Uh, and they're, 
you know, they've been out and, and very clear, which is ventilation. So one area which is seeing significant development in the last one year is HVAC systems, is, is air conditioning and air handling systems. There's a whole kind of jump in technology uh, and, and there are multiple kind of solutions coming out which deal with, uh, with quality of air and, and uh, across the workspace. I think those have become really, really important. In that context, I know in, in areas with, with more uh, amenable uh, you know, climatic conditions, there's a big move to create outdoor pockets of work attached to indoor workspaces because that is very clear that, that outdoor spaces, naturally ventilated spaces are, uh, are, are in, you know, several times safer than closed sealed off spaces. Again, the idea of the cohort is something that's being taken into planning interior spaces. So where there are, you create a bubble uh, internally and there are smaller groups of people. Uh, and again, there are design moves to ensure that, that when they interact, there is the two meter radius. Now, again, the jury's out on that one, whether that's sufficient or not, but these are all kind of factors that keep adding on. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think, I think the, the, the main uh, aspect is behavioral change. I think that just, for instance, people sitting in a room and wearing a mask, uh, making sure the infrastructure supports uh, ventilation and quality of air. Uh, and if design cues, cognitive design cues are built into a system which promote, uh, which at least promote a consciousness of distancing uh, I think these are these are aspects that uh, that I think are at least offices uh, offices of the future future looking organizations are actively looking at uh, at, at at introducing such uh, moves and measures within the office space. So there are a couple of offices where we've been asked to entirely gut the old office, which is relatively new, right. and replan it around new paradigms. So, you know, there are these paradigms of a library. So where you walk in, you sit in a, so you've got reflective space, you've got collaborative space, uh, and you've got, uh, you know, um, say Skype booths. So everything's become flexible. The era of cabins for uh, CXOs, actually it's, it's very interesting. There is this move to, uh, uh, you know, move away from dedicated cabins for people. So uh, uh, there's all these moves that, are, that, that we see happening as we speak. And I think all of this will influence the way people come back to work. Great stuff. Thank you for, uh, for sharing. Uh, you know, your love, your love, both you and Sahil are bringing in very different perspectives. And thank you for doing that. Um, you know, I think rest of the panelists as well, but you, know, you both belong to a fraternity that's, um, that's different and it's wonderful to have your diverse perspective on being able to look at office and office space. I want to at this stage, um, you know, close out the conversation we're having here. We could easily be here for another hour, hour and a half, but I want the audience to get on to the live Mentimeter to be able to get some joint insights together and make this conversation really uh, more holistic as you leave off this evening. Uh, so I'm going to bring in Pankaj because we've missed you during the conversation, Pankaj. So I'll let you do the honors. If we're going to do a quick round robins with each of you, uh, giving us one or two ideas on what are the opportunities of these times? Uh, what, how can we use this adversity better? So how can the uh, sort of the dynamics of the future of work be used in a more meaningful manner? 
So how can we kind of use this time to redefine things? And what comes to your mind when we talk about using this adversity in a meaningful manner and using the dynamics of future of work in a more meaningful manner? So I'm going to take one or two comments from each one of you and we'll try and close out this conversation. But don't go away because we have the live survey. So Pankaj, we start with you. Hey, very quick ones. We've covered the decades and months due to COVID, right? Yeah. Uh, from a future of work perspective, we used to say at People Strong something called new code of work. It became redundant because it became a reality, yeah. right? So there's a new, new code of work we are trying to find. But I think the biggest thing is algorithms is going to run our life. So the employee experience is going to shift to human experience. Yeah. Um, employee experience is more tech, my experience, but human experience includes health and overall social well-being, including mental wellness. So I think this is the biggest shift, Sujaya, I see. Uh, which is ex employee experience to human experience. Well said. I, I'm going to, with that, move over to Sahil. Sahil, give us uh, an insight in brief. What do you see as the opportunity of these times? What can we do to use the dynamics and this adversity? Uh, something very different. I think we all need to embrace what is called deep work. I think as a society, we all like to tread on the surface. Uh, and I noticed that across organization, but I think across every function, across every role, across every industry, we need to go extremely deep in what we're doing because of the disruption and the volatility and complexity. There is a need to adopt intense uh, depth in every action and every um, uh, uh, endeavor that we take. I think that's what's going to enable us to come out of not this, but any anticipated crisis as well. Great stuff. Can we move over to Julio? Julio, Julio give us your perspective on this. Yeah, how yeah. can we use this adversity uh, better? What are your ideas? And, and keep it brief, but tell us what you think we can do to use this adversity better. Sorry, can you repeat this? Jai, I didn't understand. Yes, to yes. You. What I'm asking is that the future of work is set up a set of dynamics for us. How can we use this as an opportunity? Yeah, the, I mean, the, the opportunity is what you already said about uh, the the the. the answers we have about uh, synchronous synchronous and all these kind of things and i think it's very obvious what is the opportunity of uh, of being more productive and whatever but I, honestly i'm more concerned about what are the risks what we are losing and what are the all the hidden aspects psychologically that are actually occurring the lack like was just mentioned now the deep work the deep work is becoming an issue because we we are not able to concentrate anymore because we have distraction of course you can concentrate and do something but not more than five minutes so this is becoming something and the regulation about the government so i think we have lots of opportunities if we start also tackling the disadvantages great stuff thank you I'm going to move this over to Bosco. Bosco, what is the opportunity that you see in these times? I think it's a it's a wonderful opportunity for organizations to embrace the polarity of challenge and support. Challenge your people, push them, <coughs> get them out of their comfort zone, but also support them equally aggressively. So make them adaptable and kind of find help them find adjacencies with they can expand their skill sets. Right. Great stuff. I think with that, we're going to move this over to um, uh, to uh, Ambit. What's <coughs> your insight? What do you uh, so I, I will speak uh, as an entrepreneur and uh, what we are moving towards and what opportunity it's given, given us is uh, because of the tremendous need of operating with trust and empathy, a lot of the leadership now is, is focusing on building self-awareness 
for uh, individuals across the organization because a lot of the work now needs to be self-directed. We are a bunch of designers. Uh, and and, and I, I think that's a fantastic opportunity for us uh, to discover who we are and for people to engage deeply uh, with alignment, issues of alignment and purpose. Which... Okay, all right, super. I think with that, can we move over to, um, to Deborah? Deborah, can we have your perspective? What is the opportunity of these times? Thank you. Yes, I think from uh, my point of view, I think we've got an absolutely unique moment in time to really reposition work as a social system and all that means in terms of not just how we connect but how we understand ourselves as humans and how we work. Technology as we know is moving really quick, it's taken 2000 years for the brain to get to where it is today and actually if we can learn how to better use the resources that we've got and we've got the opportunity to do that now, I think the level of in innovation that can be released from that would be incredible. Um, even just learning how to manage our time, manage our digital time, manage our deep work. The offices are, are, are great places for distraction. We need to completely re-engineer how we work, not just from the organizational point of view, but from the human point of view. Lovely. Thank you, Deborah, for saying that. And we let um, Ashok have the last word. Ashok, opportunities of these times. I think the, all our speakers have made some great points on the opportunity. So I'm just going to add maybe another angle to it to say that I think the opportunity, uh, the pandemic uh, is also for the individual to stay vulnerable to learning. I think everybody talks about learning agility and methods and so on. But I think at the core, uh, people must be vulnerable to learn. People must have a plan for it and must put action where the plan is. And I think if you have a intent, plan, and an action towards learning, relearning, recasting, changing. I think you'll sell the pandemic. Uh, and I think that's a core to any employee goodness. At the end of the day, everybody gets up and says, where am I headed? What's my time? What's life? What's careers? I think people look for value. And we must convert that aspiration for value into real action by being vulnerable to change and learning. That's my take. Lovely. So thank you very much, all the panelists. And I'm going to recommend you all stay because we still have a part two of this conversation, um, uh, you know, to sort of carry on. And we're going to try and see how best we can use the time we have on hand. So um, everyone, uh, the audience, we want to get your voice in. We want to be able to understand how you're uh, perceiving various aspects of uh, what we're experiencing as the unfolding of the future of work. And so I'm going to ask you all to get on to www.menti.com. So if you can all go to, on your phones, go to www.menti.com and um, we will give you a code and uh, get on to our survey. I'm just going to share the code with you in just a minute. Um, so www.menti.com, our code for our survey is uh, 3330079. So 3330079. So get to Menti Meter and... Um, Let's get on to a survey that we're all going to try and attempt together. And, um, you know, we want to bring your voice in. We want to hear what you have to say. And uh, we had, uh, there were too many questions to ask to be able to pack them into the audience board. So here's an opportunity to be able to respond to a survey together. You can have access to this report. And um, so let's respond to these questions together. I'm sure they're going to provoke some more food for thought. And the panelists are right here, so we can try and refer them to some of the pointers that we get out of this survey. So everyone, triple 
www.menti.com. So go to Mentimeter and um, you can also use this QR code which is on the screen so that you can get into the system faster and we can ask you the questions. Um, Sunit, can we see how many on board already? Okay, so there's 14 of you there and so keep going so that we get everyone on board and all of you answering these questions. So www.menti.com, triple three zero double zero seven nine, or use this QR code so that you can get in faster. Uh, yeah, you're just gonna have to wait a bit. I know the chat, your, we've not started the survey yet. So we're just waiting for everyone to join. Just a couple of minutes and we'll get started. So um, use the QR code so that we can speed this up. So we move forward. We'll try and see how many on board already. We've got about 23 there. Keep, uh, keep trying to be able to come in on board. Uh, we've got about 88 on the call and we're keen to see um, all of you on board. So join this using the code, please, or, or you can use the QR code on the screen. Okay, all right, move forward. And let's see how many we have already. Okay, let's start and keep joining, yeah? So let's start and we see what these questions are looking like. Move forward. Um, so um, don't worry about your responses because we're not asking anything controversial today. And, um, you know, uh, we'll hopefully use this to be able to create a report which we can circulate back to everyone who attended the program today, attended the masterclass today. Move forward. So very first question. Um, so do you agree that overall the work from home performance was certainly better than expected? So click agree if you agree, if you think um, you disagree, click on disagree. So overall the work from home performance was certainly better than expe uh, expected. We've got only four responses so far. Please respond to this question. Are we on Mentimeter? This is the first question that we've already got moved on to. So please respond to this. We had about 27, 28 of you on Mentimeter. Okay, all right. You've got 50 of them on Mentimeter. Great stuff. 86% say yes. And we have a 14% saying no. Let's move forward. And... Um, Question number two, work from home enabled not only management staff, but also sales, administration, production staff uh, also to remain productive. So this enabled not just management staff, but also sales, administration, production people to remain productive. Okay. Right. We have an interesting contradiction between our responses in question one and two, because we said it overall worked well for performance. And now we have a significant over 60% disagreeing with the rest of the people 
didn't quite remain productive and work from home. So interesting, these questions can provoke a lot of questions on how we perceive things and when we actually get down to certain parts of granularity, we may not agree on everything completely. So here we have a staggering 60% saying um, that it didn't work so well for sales administration production, but it managed the rest of the, um, enabled the rest of the people. So uh, interesting contrast to the response to question one. Okay, let's keep moving. Question three. Okay, all right. Question number three. Um, despite the productivity and technology tools, work from home is not real life and is not sustainable long term. Do you agree? Despite the productivity and the technology tools, work from home is not real life and it's not sustainable long term. Okay, keep going. I think there's almost 50 on you, 50 of you on this survey, so keep going. Okay. All right. Interesting. So we're a large number of us who believe that this is clearly not sustainable despite the tools. Okay. Lovely. Let's keep going. Move forward. Number four, the need for humans to be social connected and informal mentoring opportunities will strongly influence migration back to the office environment. The need for humans to be social connected And informal mentoring opportunities will strongly influence migration back to the office environment. Okay. All right. Interesting. Keep going. So we get your 48 of you on board. So let's try and get all of you on board to respond to this. Okay. Super. Move forward. Number five. Culture triumph strategy for pivot plans to work, remote working, may not demonstrate corporate culture so needed for strategy to work. Do you agree with this? Culture triumph strategy for pivot plans to work. Remote working may not demonstrate corporate culture so needed for strategy to work. Okay, keep going. Okay, we need more responses. Okay, all right, move forward. Okay, I believe the process of innovating and creative problem solving requires in-office workers to reinforce culture and spark innovation. I believe the process of innovating and creative problem solving requires in-office people to reinforce culture and spark innovation. Okay. Keep going. Very interesting. Okay. All right, super stuff. Move forward to the next one. The future is hybrid. Employees spend part of the week working in the office and the other part remotely, whether from home or a third location. Do you agree that the future is hybrid? Employees must spend part of the week working in the office, the other part remotely, whether from home or from a third location. Okay. All right, interesting. 
let's move uh, we have all the sponsors okay let's move forward number 8 i believe 100% remote working will be an exception uh, where some companies allow employees to work completely remote for as long as they like i believe 100% remote working will be an exception where some companies allow employees to work completely remote for as long as they like Okay. All right. Move forward. Number nine. I believe office owners may have to offer flexible spaces to their tenants to expand space on demand, and offer flexible communal spaces. Do you believe office owners may have to offer flexible spaces to their tenants to expand space on demand, and offer flexible communal spaces? Okay. Okay. All right. Move forward. Do you agree offices will need both layouts to accommodate social distancing and conference and huddle rooms of different sizes? Okay. All right. Super stuff. Move forward. Eleven. Do you believe hybrid working will trigger fear of missing out for work from home people, as those at office have the opportunity to socialize, be visible, and build relationships? Do you believe hybrid working will trigger FOMO, fear of missing out for work from home people, as those at the office have the opportunity to socialize, be visible, and build relationships? Suni, do you want to refresh? It's not showing up. The analytics are not showing up. Okay, move forward. Eleven, twelve. We'll come back to that. Uh, do you believe fast-growing companies that need to access fresh talent are going to necessarily need an office and can't do this remotely? Yeah, don't worry, Arun. I know Arun saying he didn't see the previous one. Don't worry, even we can't see it. It will come back when we replay the uh, analytics. Okay. Do you believe fast-growing companies that need to access fresh talent are going to necessarily need an office and can't do this remotely? Okay, all right. We have a significant disagreement. Okay, all right. Move forward. Um, walking spaces, cafes, village greens will make working from offices versus home more attractive. So, location and what's around the office will matter. Okay. 
Okay, super stuff. Number 14. Multiple locations of core office work from home and the flexibility to choose cafes, libraries, co-working spaces may emerge as a third option for working. Do you agree multiple locations of the core office work from home and the flexibility to choose cafes, libraries, co-working spaces may emerge as a third option for working? Okay, super stuff. 15. Do you agree the more flexibility for working remotely are provided, the more effort for managing will be needed? Do you agree the more flexibility you provide for remote working, the more effort for managing will be required? Okay, interesting. Let's move forward. 16. Reliable technologies is going to be key to enable seamless connections between employees inside and outside the office. Reliable technologies is going to be key to enable seamless connections between employees inside and outside the office. Okay, so important consideration there. Let's move forward. 17. Smart technologies to manage real-time data and facilitate meetings is going to be key to enable hybrid work. Smart technologies to manage real-time data and facilitate meetings is going to be key to enable hybrid work. Okay, all right, super, go to 18. Working from offices or homes in the hybrid model, change management will be critical to facilitate employee performance, well-being, and engagement. Working from offices or homes in the hybrid model is going to make change management critical to facilitate performance, well-being, and engagement. Okay, super stuff. All right, go to nine, 19. Spaces for meditation, sports, and, and taking mind, mindful breaks will be on a rise in the physical office ecosystem. Spaces for meditation, sports, and taking mindful breaks will be on rise in the physical office ecosystem. All right, super. The last one. With hybrid uh, workplace ecosystem, what proportion of employees in your organization will most likely work from office, home, anywhere? So you need to be able to get that cursor and drag it. You're giving it a score each seg each category. You're giving it a score out of 100. So go on to the cursor and drag it forward and, um, and stop it at whatever percentage you want for work from office, work from home, work from anywhere. 
Okay, keep going. Okay. All right. Okay. We'll freeze with that. Thank you, everyone, for participating. We're going to make sure you have the access to the report and the analytics. While he's getting that up, I'm going to get the panelists in again. Um, give me some reactions. Yeah, Deborah? Uh, you're on mute, yeah. I was just trying to unmute. I thought it was interesting, I was particularly interesting, uh, interested with the uh, question around um, managing. Do you think that they're going to, uh, it's going to increase the level of management? And for me, it comes back to my home really about this isn't, if we're going to go forward, we it's more about leadership. It's how are we going to lead and how are we going to develop those connections and those relationships to make sure that everybody is included, whether they are there on-site, off-site, remote or whatever. And that then brings in this relationship, which the other panelists will know much more about than me, but the importance of space and technology and how that's going to connect digital and people. And, you know, I, I think this is a whole, a whole area where we're going to have to think really hard and listen really hard to the feedback that's coming back through. And I also think there will be generational differences. So Gen Z will have a completely different view of it than people who are millennial. And actually I know from some of the data I've been looking at, if you ask leadership how they've found working remotely in the pandemic, they've actually 60 plus say they've thrived on it, 60% plus. If you go three or four levels out across the organization, there's a big gap of like 30% because the higher we are, the more resources we have, the more space we potentially have, whereas other people are working in cramped conditions. So it's really important that we don't apply our view of the world and our perspective of the world onto everybody else, yeah. which is why developing the skills to really listen, to ask those right questions, or keep asking questions, yeah. is going to be so key for me. Right, right. well said, thank you. Ashok, do you want to come in? I mean, bit of an anti-climax there, right? I mean, we came back to working from office. I mean, significantly came back to working from office. So give me a sense on what your reaction to the survey is. I, I thought the questions were very evocative. So well done. I think the questions were forced you to make a choice. So you couldn't sit in the middle and kind of you yeah. know, hang around there. Yeah. I think it was quite evocative. And I think it speaks to the tones of this conversation, which is around flexibility, around social interactions, around uh, the fact that people will need to be created for you know, the satellite offices, the kind of range of conversation we had, I think people are resonating to that. Now, how many companies will bite that? How many companies, because the last question, which had the three parts, uh, indicated a lot of work from office, uh, which I would have, you know, if you, if you poll, maybe you should poll all the CHROs, 100 CHROs of the country and say, what do you guys do? If you're going to take decisions, how would you do it? You might get a different answer. Or the CEO poll, okay? So you might get a different point of view. 
I thought it was uh, indicator of the audience mood for flexibility and and hybrid. Clearly, it was indicator, right. um, and they chose well. I thought, yeah, great stuff, uh, Pankaj. Give me a reaction to what you saw here. I, I just saw that the so-called work place is dead, and workspace is what probably Amrish and Sahil are designing is in. That's what how I was reading the survey. I think the traditional workplace is dead. Good one. Yeah. 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 Right, right. Good point. Um, Julio, any observations, Julio? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's still a kind of uh, confusion about what we can really do and what we cannot really do because it's very very clear that with the online we can do establishing goals, we can do monitoring processes, driving information. There are lots of things we can do. But still, we have so many challenges about fostering deep learning, innovation, acculturation, even, even dedication. And these things are the long-term goals. So even if uh, we are already there, I'm really trying to educate all, all around me to remember that there are big things that are not going to happen online. And so if we don't tackle these things, we are going to be in trouble soon. And some companies are already in trouble. Good point. So um, let me try and uh, bring in Bosco here. Bosco? Bosco, are you on board? Um, you know, Sujay, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. can hear you now. So it's interesting. I'm sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Yes, go ahead. Can so it's interesting, you know, I've seen some studies um, where uh, and part of part of this survey kind of echoes that that the the old way, if we talk about the old way of the traditional way of coming to work every day, or the, the the work is a place you go to in a sense didn't work well for a lot of people, right? But it worked well for certain people and usually for people in positions of power and privilege because, right. you know, the vast majority of people don't want to go back to less sleep, more commuting, spending less time with family, spending less time on personal interests, you know, uh, personal development, etc. But underlying that is a real fear also. People, right. Because most organizations are hierarchical. Right. And leaders, most leaders are not known for communicating well with people. Right? So people have a fear that if I don't go to office, if I'm not seen, mm. what happens to my prospects? What happens to my career? Mm. Will I be seen to be contributing? Will I be seen to be, you know, part of what's yeah. going on? Yeah. You have to drink, continue to drink the Kool-Aid yeah. in order to, to be counted. Yeah. Those are very real fears. And if you see some of the surveys, that they shows up, some of these concerns show up. And part of the, the reason why people want to go back to work is also to, they don't know any other way in which to address these concerns and fears. So I think the one of the challenges for leadership is not about remote working or hybrid working. It's how are we going to retain the motivation of our people how are we going to reskill and upskill them so that they continue to be at the top of their game? They continue to be kind of, you know, contributing in the way that we want them to contribute. Right. So I, I mean, I wanted to point uh, towards the sort of the macro culture, which is obviously collective. 
and that social interaction in our society is a very significant part of the experience. And um, and I think given various dynamics in terms of competition to be able to get ahead, I think this fear of not being visible, not being seen, not being able to influence, also not being mentored. I mean, especially for those who start their careers remote, there's a huge challenge in terms of being able to learn. They're practically left to their own devices on how it is that they're going to cope with their jobs. So I think there are significant um, areas where coming physically, your physical presence is, is, is significantly important. And I think it's also the way in which we've run organizations for so many years, uh, which can cause some of the dilemmas, questions, challenges that possible sort of alluding to. So kind of uh, agree. Um, Ashok, you wanted to come in? Yeah, no, just to add to what you're saying, Sujaya, so, so to say that I think uh, sometimes the conversation around the pandemic and uh, flexibility, et cetera, pivots around largely the office-bound staff. Um, I think we must spare a thought and consideration for how our retail businesses, the frontliners, sales and marketing frontliners, as well as the factory staff who are out there across industries, how are they coping with it? And how do we make them equally see the value of the joy that flexibility can bring to learning careers opportunities and yet keep them safe and and how corporates are starting to fund two different parts of the organization differently risk values are different perceptions are different and i think there is a there is a phase we will come to on experimentation on trying on sharing and i think corporates have become extremely open to share this phase i've seen most corporates very competitive i think this phase Everybody's open, everybody's groping for answers. And I think there's a nice phase of let's do what is right upon the employee also coming through. So I think just wanted to add that value to another part of the workforce. Yeah. Of course, of course. Um, Amrish, going to bring you in. I mean, I'm saying I am, I'm quite sure you were delighted to see some of those responses. So tell me what you're taking away. Um, you know, uh, you're the designer architect. Tell us what you're taking away from some of the responses you got from our audience. Actually, I wasn't uh, surprised uh, by the responses. So, uh, no, I, I would actually like prefer to answer uh, as an entrepreneur and sure. lead two companies. And I want to build on what uh, Julio said. Uh, I think uh, you know it. It needs to be back. What what people want, uh, which is you know more in the domain of an immediate response to what they're going through at that point in time might not be reflective of what they need and what the organization needs. And I think the role of the leadership is to be able to kind of stay detached uh, from what, I mean, yes, you weigh what people want, but the ultimate purpose of an organization is beyond what people want. Actually, people are there to fulfill the purpose of the organization. So I think really it needs a lot of deep thinking on what will enable that. I mean, work from home, this time, I mean, that's not really the point of it. The point of it is what enables the purpose and the business objectives of the organizations with empathy and, and, and uh, whatever else. And that might in the longer term need a lot of modulation, uh, prototyping, testing, and, and, and rather than really responding to what people would want at this point in time, I, I don't think decision-making can be based on that, uh, especially right. for the yeah. Right. Great stuff. Ashok, one question from the, uh, from the audience. It comes from Akil Basra, and he's asking that most of these 
conversations today seem to be about larger organizations and he's asking especially in the context of making these decisions on remote hybrid uh, from office and so on uh, you know what are our insights for msmes and for small size organizations yeah no no absolutely akhil i think it's a great point you make and it's a good call uh, as well call out to the fact that this debate which is very live in corporate uh and in in our kind of circles across ceo chro's kind of circles must pivot to the smes msmes um to the entire fraternity of non corporate non uh, you know the trading fraternities and i think we are coming to a phase where those answers socially societally will become as important for us to think through and i think the msme the entire industrial estate movement in india depends on the sme msme movement and i think our ability to find solutions for them is easy, equally important and hence i believe we must pivot to helping them cope with hybrid many of them may not be evolved may not have access uh, may not think the situation through so if there are forums of the msme sme sme kind of forums i think some of us should be participating to evolve their thinking and help them evolve solutions which could be technology could be people practices and i think there is a hybrid which should emerge there as well right the guardrails there are different i suspect from large corporates but i think we must engineer those conversations for that community it's a very critical community for the country for sure and we must do something for that community and i know you are deeply engaged akil in that uh, space yeah so uh, i think you are catalyzing that will make a big difference great stuff i'm going to want to bring in pankaj bansal here pankaj we didn't get enough of you through the through the day so uh, do you want to respond also to this uh, this whole business of uh, uh, msmes and and making the choices that we need to these are interesting times of discovery and and this just such layered issues um you know uh, at very very extremely interesting times in terms of being able to make decisions in these very com- complex kinds of situations so give us a perspective from the work you do with technology and the rest on um and msmes and smes are making decisions around these uh, questions by the way a uh, very quick input akil on this question i believe that we all are assuming that smes need help i would say on contrary we should just learn from what they are doing it's incredible how they have uh, you know catapulted in this particular period because survival there was harder they didn't have as many fall back options as many of us and larger corporations have so number one number two this hybrid is very complex we are only thinking from an infra perspective but the real problem of hybrid as ashok referred to also is there are gig and permanent employees so far our hybrid we are discussing here but the whole definition of hybrid when there is gig worker changes and number three uh, what i am seeing is that probably flexibility and transparency Uh, earlier were used as good hr words but now they have become mandatory because you can't run you don't know i've seen in meetings people introduce each other i'm from wipro i'm from vanda you know because they don't know each other the large enterprises somebody is on contract somebody is full time so that's what is uh, happening that's the other part and uh, most important element i continue to believe is that we all are uh, underestimating the agility power of agility that smaller and mid size enterprises have so i think they will thrive is what i believe uh, they have challenges but so do large enterprises they may not have bank balances but i have a very different take on this community 
I see them looking at their adopting technology quicker, faster. Uh, so that's my take, uh, Sujay. And in interest of time, I've been very brief. I'm yes. sorry, my being late, I don't want to penalize other co-panelists. And- don't worry about it. It's been wonderful having you and thank you for keeping the promise and coming yeah. back. Pleasure. I think all of you have been wonderful, um, wonderful audience. Thank you for the interaction, keeping such a vibrant chat going. Uh, you know, in the interest of time, I've not been able to take all the questions on board. But thank you for participating in that um, survey. We will make sure that you have uh, access to that report. Um, to all the wonderful panelists, I think this has just been a very, very rich uh, conversation. Thank you ever so much for uh, for joining in. Uh, you know, thank you for keeping the, the the conversation going in the interim, and then uh, you know, actually turning up and enabling this conversation to become so rich. You're all, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, essentially very busy people, and I I had a I had a huge doubt on whether everyone would eventually be able to make it. So I'm just so ever so delighted and grateful that you made the time and you're here and you contributed so wonderfully well and with so much of passion the interest of the learning of the audience and the LNOD roundtable members thank you ever so much for this big thank you and shout out to the Max Estates team for being for sponsoring this event thank you for making that possible for everyone in the audience we've not done with this conversation we continue with LinkedIn live uh, talking some more on the future of work post COVID-19 um, you know, these are such interesting times and you can't ever have enough conversations around them. So LinkedIn Live on the 4th of August and uh, join us, Guy Rise the Date and join us. Some very other, some other very interesting uh, conversations coming up as well. Don't miss the 50 and out conversation on the 10th of August. So I'm going to ask you to diarize some of these and some wonderful sessions, series of sessions coming up by Adil Malia on using power of doodles to explain the leadership and authenticity and also Rajesh Kamath on the uh, treasure trove of Indian, ancient Indian wisdom. So I'm going to ask you to be able to access all of those for now. Thank you, panelists. You've all been wonderful. So join me in giving an applause to Ashok Ramachandran. Thank you for making the time. Bosco DiMello, Amrish Arora. Even if Sahil is not here, round of applause to Sahil, Pankaj Bansal, um, you know, to Julio. And uh, last but not the least, to Deborah Poom, who's always been so delightful to have on these conversations. So thank you. Um, the Max e-brochure is on the uh, on your on the chat. Should you want to access and know more about them, and uh, meanwhile we will make sure that you have access to the to the survey, the Mentimeter survey that you just responded to, so that you may want it for reference or sharing with others who may not have had the opportunity to attend here today. So panelists, thank you. Audiences, thank you so much. There is just so much of rich. Um, sort of uh, vibrant feedback on this um, on this conversation today. So thank you for making this so rich and so worth our while and so invaluable. So thank you very very much again. And until uh, the next time, um, goodbye. Be safe, everyone, and we connect with you soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Suja. Thanks. Thank you. So, all the best to you and Elenodi. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. Thanks, Emora. Thank you, Julio. Take care. Be safe, everyone. And you. Bye. Pleasure meeting everybody. Bye. Bye.